Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Coach's Office. My name is Tom Murphy Jr. and I'm here with Coach Brian Barnes. And um, today we have a very special guest, uh, Coach Scott Farley. Uh, Coach, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, I got I got to be accurate. I guess it, technically, you're, I'm, well, I guess once coach, you're always a coach, right? But technically, your your um, your your role as a coach it would, um, is over now, and you're you're strictly an athletic director. Correct. I've moved into athletic administration, and uh, the school I'm at doesn't allow uh, administrators to coach, so I've kind of stepped out of the coach ring. But I I still prefer to be called coach for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, you're definitely the head coach of all your coaches at, at the school you work at. So look at it that way, right? Right. Yeah. Now sure. instead of coaching kids, I'm coaching grown adults. Yeah. <laughs> coach Barnes, how you doing? Good, Tom. Just uh fired up, man, for uh to have Coach Coach Farley on here tonight. Um, I love this topic. It's something that uh he and I have talked about before and um you know, we, we've, you know, gone back and forth about some things. And so fired up to get, get to this one and have him on tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the topic is tonight, um, coach Farley is definitely in interested in, um, maybe producing his own podcast. Um, but almost a, a, an entire program really of, um, inspiring and helping mentoring, um, new and aspiring, um, head football coaches. Now, are we specifically talking about football coaches or are, do you want to get in the realm of, of all coaches now or all sports? Um, is there's, you know, I, I, I imagine that with what you want to do, there's probably something that any coach in, in any sport could probably take away some information and helpful tips, I would assume. Right. Yeah. My, my niche is obviously football because that's where the bulk of my coaching is done. But I, but I, I think you're right. I mean, really the, the 95% of the things that we would talk about um, in that would assist an aspiring or a new head football coach is really no different than, you know, if it was basketball or volleyball or wrestling or whatever, I mean, it's, it has so much more to do with, culture and relationships and, you know, things that are not sport specific. Yeah. So coach, before we get too far in, why don't you give um, the li li listeners a bit of, of your background? Um, it's quite extensive. Um, um, over 20 years of uh, head football coach. Uh, um, I know you're in the head coaches uh, hall of fame in the state of M Michigan. So that's quite an, an, honor so yeah if you could just kind of uh give a brief rundown of of your uh your background a bit well i i started coaching in the fall of 1988 i was an assistant in heartland high at heartland high school with tom barberry who was a hall of fame coach and a great mentor of mine uh worked there for three years came back to my hometown of leslie uh, in mid-michigan was an assistant for two years um, and then took over as the head coach and was the head coach at Leslie for 20 years and transitioned um, night or excuse me, 2013, um, took the head coaching job at Jackson High School and was there as the head coach for nine years. And uh, and just this last school year, went to Parma Western um, as the athletic director during that time um, at Leslie. Um, I was a sub varsity coach in baseball and basketball. I was the head track coach for a while. I was also the AD for nine years. So I was 
if you can believe this, for nine years, I taught full-time. I was the head football coach. I was the athletic director. And I had four kids all in school and got my master's <laughs> during that time. So, um, and really the whole time I was at Leslie, I either coached three sports or I was also the AD. Uh, also about 20 years ago, started to get involved with the Michigan <clears throat> Football Coaches Association um, and was the youth football chairman uh, in that organization for a long time. Um, eventually became um, the vice president and then the president for literally two minutes uh, because um, I transitioned right from being the president to being the executive director. And I was the executive director for four years. And now the last two years, I've kind of been the lead on the Leadership Development Alliance, which is really what kind of whet my appetite for our, our major topic for today. Yeah. Coach, what, um, you know, what were some of the, what are some of the coaching trends that uh, you've seen over the years? So obviously you have a pretty extensive history at a few different stops as a coach and a, as an athletic director. So, I mean, for example, you know, I think there's a, there's a, notion that in order to be a head coach, you have to be a teacher. You have to work in education. Um, obviously I think, uh, that would be preferred, um, you know, but obviously that's not, um, realistic for, for everybody out there. So what are some of the things, um, you've seen over the years that maybe you found as interesting or has just changed, um, since you first got going? Well, I think, you know, going back, I mean, that the, tr the traditional teacher coach, I think is, kind of been lost. And I think, like you say, it is preferred, but oftentimes it's not possible or, you know, maybe your head coach is in the building, but very few other people are. I know in my own, my own experience, the first, the first four years that I was the head coach at Leslie, I had 11 different assistant coaches over the course of four years. And it was a four man staff. So I cycled through coaches, but I was the only one that taught in the district. I taught at the elementary school, not the high school, and it was really hard to, to build and maintain a, a, a long-term staff. Um, that fourth year, I added two guys that were teachers at the high school, and from then on, when I left, I had six teachers, including myself, in the high school at a, at a high school that had about 420 kids. Very unusual, but I attribute... The fact that, that we did have guys in the building and we also had two non-staff guys that were with us for 10 years. Um, you know, a lot of the success we had was attributed to the fact that it was a consistent staff, that we worked together for a long time and we were really invested in the program and in the kids. Um, then I went to Jackson, uh, had a huge staff at Jackson. I think I had like 17 or 18 assistant coaches between uh, the freshmen through the varsity level. But you know, had just a handful in the building, but we had some really great guys that were non-staff guys um, that that did a great job as well, one of whom um, took over for me as the head coach there and is doing a great job there now. So, you know, I think that the, the notion that the teacher coach is, it's not the same as it was before for sure, uh, but I don't think it's dead. And, and I do think you need to have some way to be in the building, to be in contact with the kids on a pretty regular basis if you're not a teacher. Coach, how much time can an aspiring coach plan to, to have, you know, um, 
in any given game week, um, like, are you talking like 20 hours, 30 hours, like of your time d- devoted between practice and, and, um, you know, scheming and film and, and all these different things. Cause you know, most f- football coaches, whether they're teachers or not, are, are, you know, work full time. So right. how can, um, a young, you know, coach plan their, their, their time and, and how much time should they expect to put into being well, honestly, honestly, during the season, it's a legitimate full-time job. I mean, I'd be surprised if I ever put in less than 40 hours into football during football season between, you know, watching, you know, I mean, if you, if you end Friday night, you know, the game Friday night and say your work week starts on Saturday, Saturday and Sunday, you're watching film and have meetings and, and getting ready for the week. And then, um, you know, the rest of the week between practice planning and actually running practice and watching film of practice and, and going to middle school games and sub varsity games and the varsity game itself. I mean, you're easily putting in 40 hours in addition to, you know, the that same sort of workload as a teacher or a full time job outside of school. Yeah, coach isn't kidding. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of sacrifices you can make. <laughs> you're going to make as a head coach, um, you know, whether it be um, just free time on the weekends or um, family time. And so that's where, you know, that's, that's a great topic. I'm sure coach would, you know, like to address on his podcast and that gets going, you know, you talk about balancing the family life and being a head coach, right. And how, and how you make that work to keep your marriage and your family relationship strong. So um, most definitely time, uh, time coming home from practice. Like you said, you get home, eating a late dinner, spending some time with the family, and then you might watch some more film or you might make some adjustments for the practice schedule the next day. So it's a, it's a definite, uh, I mean, you gotta love it to be a head coach. Um, you know, it's not just, I mean, it's, it, the grind is real as they say. Well, and, and not only do you have to love it, but your family has to love it as well. You know, I mean, I think really the, the underestimated heroes of, of, football or really any sport are the spouses. Um, you know, one of the things that I really talk about with, with young guys and we talk, have a whole session or multiple sessions on it in the LDA program is, you know, the role of the spouse. And, you know, I believe like, I think a lot of guys probably do, but I have the best coach's wife on the planet. And one of the things that we really did both at Leslie and in Jackson that I think contributed to um, success over a period of time and the ability to build a program is we made a concerted effort to include spouses and kids, you know, the coaches, kids in the program in a variety of different ways, whether it's, you know, get togethers after games or, uh, you know, cookouts over the summertime or just, you know, just social time between the wives, building that relationship between the wives on the staff um, so that they're, they're bought into the program as much as their husbands are. And we, we've done the same thing with the LDA program is we encourage guys to bring their wives to those sessions. We have sessions just for the wives. And I can tell you those wives are building relationships in that LDA program, just like the coaches are. Um, I can tell you that I sat in a, sub-freezing semi-final football game of two teams that I have not a dog in the fight this last year because my wife 
wanted to watch Derek Shell's team play at Napoleon because she had developed a relationship with Derek's wife through the LDA program. So um, I think uh, it, you really cannot underestimate the role and how important it is. And I've, I've seen a lot of coaches get out of coaching um, because they didn't have a spouse or a family that was on board with everything they were doing. Um, I, I I can imagine that a major topic that you're going to discuss is um, like how to actually pursue getting a head coaching job. And I, I'm curious how you would um, describe that that process. And, you know, as far as like the interview process and what kind of background you should have to even get the ball rolling to get a head coaching job in high school football? Well, you know, it really, I think it varies. That's one of the things that kind of makes it hard is I think every, every opening is different, you know, and, and one of the things that I think is that really helps in that regard is to, to develop a, as broad a network as you can um, and, and get to know people both the event. One of the great things that I did kind of un. I didn't what didn't plan it or didn't think on it, but I I developed relationships with coaches that were older than I was um, to get ideas from them, and they really helped to shape my philosophy and those kinds of things. And so that's one of the things we really encourage in the LDA program. In fact, we match our LDA members with a mentor of their choosing uh, to develop and grow their network. But you know, it's 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 a process where you know, you got to know, you got to do research on the the history of the program that you're going into. Very rarely is a young guy going to step into a program that's already been successful. So you got to say, okay, they've not been successful for a while. Why is that? Is, you know, is there, is this a job where I can go in and change the culture and develop the kids and develop a staff and build a, a successful program? And Really, the only way to do that is to kind of ask around and get to know as many people that are as close to that program or have competed against that program um, to, to do that. And, you know, I think that's that's really an area where a lot of guys that are looking for jobs kind of miss the boat is they're so eager to become a head coach that they miss some of those steps. They're really good at at uh, presenting a resume and, and taking the interview and doing all that kind of stuff. And having uh, a, a grasp on the X's and O's and all that kind of stuff, but I think really understanding where that program is and what it's going to take to change it um, is really where uh, the real the real magic is in terms of finding and whether it be, you'll be able to turn a program around. Coach, that's a perfect lead in kind of what I want to mention was, you know, one of the mistakes I think I made when I was younger in my mid to upper 20s was that I was so focused on X's and O's. And in my mind, I was like, hey, I can do this. You know, I can, I can be better than that guy or I'm a better candidate than this guy. And instead of like recognizing that, like, all right, that's only part of the equation. Right. I mean, it's all about it's like you said, it's all about the fit. It's all about what they're looking for, what type of coach they're looking for. Um, do they want a younger guy? Do they want um or do they want somebody with more experience depending on, you know, their current culture and their current situation. And so um, definitely guys, like it's, it's, you know, corny when you hear about the process, but like a lot of times, like you mentioned, they skip some steps and sometimes it's good to go through that. And 
I don't know. I don't want to say necessarily be patient and wait your turn. Cause I think there is something to be said for guys that really want to get it. But like you said, you really need to make sure that you are the right fit for that situation. So, you know, you do your research on, you know, the, the program, like you mentioned, and do your research on the school and um, just to make sure you're the right fit before you really go headstrong into, um, you know, trying to get that job. Well, right. I mean, I, I you know, like we've talked before, I, I think there's a lot of guys that are, good coaches that have the potential to be really solid head coaches that are just in a bad fit or a bad situation. And honestly, I think there's some jobs that are just bad jobs. And I hate to say that, but the reality is there's, there's schools that football is not part of the culture. They don't intend for it to be an important part of the culture. The administration is not interested in developing a successful football program or basketball or baseball or whatever. And, you know, you're not going to be no, the force of your personality is not going to, uh, you know, allow you to overcome some obstacles in those situations. And so, you know, you're better off not, you know, I think some guys are just in such a hurry to be a head coach that they take the first job that gets offered to them. And, and it ends up being a mistake that really kind of hampers the growth in the profession. And you're right, you know, X's and O's. Honestly, I think that's the most overrated part of the whole thing because, I mean, you just go watch, you know, eight state final games every year and you got 16 teams and you got spread teams and you got straight T teams and you got single wing teams and you got, you know, odd front defenses and even front. De- I mean, every every offense and defense there is in the world has been successful and you know it it had it, so much of it boils down to culture and and consistency and coaching staff and all the intangible things that that really don't have anything to do with um strategy coach barnes i wonder if they you um you said you had made, you know, some mistakes early on. What what are some other things that you could, because um, you started out pretty young and then you, you've been pretty successful. How, how can you gauge like your experience from, from now to when you just started and, and like, what are some things that maybe you've learned along the way that you wish you knew when you first started? Couple of things. First, uh, when I first became a head coach in 2010, I was um, was 30 years old, and uh, it was all about me and my goals, you know, instead of what it should be about, which is the kids. And so I, you know, had had um, you know goals and aspirations. Like I couldn't wait to have my name in the paper. I couldn't wait to get interviewed, you know. And and I thought I made it, you know, when I became a head coach. And those are. Like if you're if you're coaching high school football, like that's that's all the wrong reasons right there. You know, there's uh that's why there's college football for more of that stuff where I, I made it more about me than the kids, and that was a big mistake. The second big mistake I think was uh when I got hired, I thought because the kids had had some success, the returning kids were ready to win. And all they wanted to hear about was winning. And so I attacked it and I attacked their practice habits and their behavior off the field and whatnot in my mind, like only because I wanted to win. And so instead of looking at it the wrong way, like, I don't think our kids were in position 
to, to win and hear that. Um, they needed to learn how to practice. They le- needed to mature and learn a new scheme. And um, they needed to learn to trust me and my staff. And so I think I took that the wrong way that those first couple of years. And now, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, uh, six years later, my, my next head coaching job, I definitely learned from that and wanted to make sure that we did the little things right every day. And we made sure that our culture was good and we were doing the right things in class. And we were, you know, I go back to this, you know, you know, building champions, so to speak, and how we carry ourselves every day, as opposed to just walking in and saying, Hey, Hey, 15, 16 year old kid, everything has to be about winning. Cause it's not always the case for, you know, some of our kids, some of our kids are out there because they really enjoy playing football and they want to, or first year kids that want to give it a try, you know? And so, um, just those type of things are the things that I wish, you know, I looking back on it, I would have done differently. Yeah. What do you think coach? You got, um, you know, like we said, a ton of experience. What are some things that you've learned along the, the way that you're eager to uh, pass along in your new uh, endeavor here? Well, I, I think coach Barnes hit the nail on the head. Like I think the, the mistake that I made is I made it all about football and, you know, the, the program I took over in Leslie had not won in many, many years. And, you know, I wanted to bring a winning football program to my school, right? My alma mater and my small town that I grew up in. And, and we did a lot of good things from a football standpoint, but it wasn't until I kind of reprioritized why I was really coaching. You know, it's about developing kids. <laughs> And we our why became developing our kids to so that they could become good, good, you know, sons, good brothers, uh, good fathers, and good husbands and leaders in their community. And and that became our focal point. Everything we were going to do in the football program was to develop those young men as young men. And football was the tool that we used to do that. And what we were able to do in Leslie and then do the same thing in Jackson was by focusing on that. That was what turned things around from a football standpoint. And I think if you develop your why, I'm a big Simon Sinek fan, um, know your why. And, and, you know, if you know your why and you keep everything focused on why, um, the success is going to come regardless of what you're, whether you're coaching football or trying to grow a church or, you know, build a business or whatever. If you focus on your why, everything's going to take care of itself. Yeah. So coach, um, I was wondering if you can give like an overview of, of what exactly it is that, that you want to accomplish in the next, um, I guess, couple of years, maybe, um, is it, we, we talked about a podcast, but what, what more is there involved in, and what exactly is it that, that you uh, in, 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 envision with this um, situation you have going? Well, I think, I think what I'm looking to do is develop a program where aspiring head coaches or, or new head coaches can um, learn and grow and develop and, and kind of set themselves up for success. And, you know, I have a number of avenues I'm looking to do that, possibly developing some online courses where they can do that and use the uh, podcast like you guys are and really have it be focused on those aspiring head coaches or young head coaches and, and have guests and 
and, you know, that are focused, you know, have the conversation be focused on, you know, that that guest or uh, a topic for the day um, on building those those aspiring head coaches, because I really feel like I, I really believe that high school football in particular and high school athletics is really the most important thing that our that our society has to build young people. And if we don't have head coaches that are prepared to lead those programs um, in the best way possible, you know, we're not we're not going to be able to 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 maintain those kinds of things. And, and the kids in those programs are not going to have the experiences that they should have. And so I really feel called to, um, you know, be a part of the solution to the problem. And um Hopefully we can do that through the online courses and the podcast and some other things that uh, we develop along the way. <clears throat> last last year, Tom and I had an opportunity. Uh, a couple of our guests were um, first year head coaches. It was over the summertime, so they hadn't yet coached in a game or even practiced yet. But uh, um, that was kind of neat to have those guys on. And, and and sometimes I think first year head coaches, especially, um, sometimes they just need somebody to talk to who you know understands exactly what they're going through at the moment. You know, and um, I can definitely say that that was the case for me. Um, it's always good to, you know, talk to some of your your mentors and, and older uh, coaches that have been doing it in a while. But, man, a lot of times in the moment, it's, it's good to hear different stories about uh, things that, you know, that you're dealing with and, and compare circumstances and, um, you know, helps you vent a little bit and or even help you find solutions and, and get other ideas and stuff. Well, that's really been one of the really great parts of the LDA program was not only did we match them with a mentor that's an older experienced head coach, but also they're together for an entire weekend in, in June um, surrounding the all-star game and sessions all day, Friday and Saturday, getting to know each other. And so they develop that network of themselves. So you got a group of 15 or 20 guys in that LDA program that are at essentially the same part of their career. They're either uh, a head coach with five years or less experience, or they're aspiring, you know, an assistant that's aspiring to be a head coach. So you're right. I mean, they're going through those same things. They can reach out to each other and say, hey, and I know a lot of them, a lot of them have done that. And, and uh, you know, we comment, a lot of them commented at the clinic in, in January, how much that network had meant to them um, at this point in their career. So you're right. That, that is a huge deal. Um, I got a question for both of you coaches. Um, what kind of advice can you give to a young coach who, all right, like teenagers are always going to have issues, right? That That's something that's never going to change. But today's issues, things, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm older, I'm not a teenager anymore. Maybe it seems more serious to me, like things today are that, than they were in the past. But I think each generation kind of thinks that about the past one. But I, it just seems like today's teenagers are really dealing with a lot. So how how does a young coach prepare themselves to handle all that could come their way off the field in, in dealing with these, these kids' lives? Well, I, I, I think you use the game of football as a tool, like I said before, to, to be able to handle those situations. And, you know, if you think about football is essentially, the, the football process is about overcoming adversity. And 
having the courage to um, face challenges and face adversity in your life and being able to follow through, do the right thing, follow the, follow the, uh, the process as coach Saban would say, and, and get the outcome in the end, but it's a long-term process. And I think a lot of the mental health issues that kids today have um, that we think that we didn't have before, but maybe we did, but the reality is the, the culture today and the society today and parenting today hasn't helped kids develop the skills to cope with those issues. And so I think if we can find a way to use football or to use high school athletics as a way to build those skills to help them, um, you know, face those challenges and, and come out on the other end successful. I, th I think, uh, you know, like any, any generation really um, as coaches, you have to be invested in, in the kids have to know you care about them, uh, not just as football players, but as people and human beings. Um, and you, you want what's best for them. Uh, you know, regardless of they score touchdowns for you every game. And um, you know, we wouldn't have those relationships if we didn't coach football. Um, going back to what coach said, um, we're able to use the game of football to, to build those relationships and, and have those conversations and, and help develop kids. Um, you know, I think of kids even recently, recent graduates or, um, you know, some of my graduating seniors who are coming up to that point where while they're excited about, you know, beginning the rest of their lives, they have a lot of anxiety and, and stress that goes along with it. And so, you know, I wouldn't be able to be there um, as a mentor if I wasn't, you know, coaching them in the game of football. And so um, at the end of the day, you know, kids are kids, you meet them where you need to. And, um, you know, just we just remind them we're always there for them and we want what's best for them. Yeah. Coach, how do you um how, how would you advise a coach to um I mean, I guess every program is gonna be a little bit different. The culture is gonna be a little bit different, but um how do you uh gauge like what because I guess what I'm saying is do you if I'm a new coach, I'm going to have my own philosophy, right? And my own way of that. I want to do things. Um, but what would advice would you give as far as how to handle their individual players? You know, it's because different kids need to be coached differently all within one team though. So how can a, a new coach kind of balance you know, the star treatment versus, you know, the kid that you can, that really needs to be like fired up at, or the kid that you can't press too hard or, or, or fold, you know, like how does a, a new coach go into that situation and stay level-headed about um, the dynamic of his team? Well, I think you got to start off with the idea that first of all, you're right, everybody's different. And so in order to figure that out, you've got to get to know kids and you've got to do some things to get to know them. And, you know, I mean, I've got a hundred stories, particularly of my time in Jackson, um, of how it was critical that we get to know each other because it was a program when I first got there that that people didn't know each other. And um, so you, you, you got to get to know each other so you can find out how each individual kid needs to be coached. And then from there, once you once you've kind of got a beat on that, you've got to understand that yeah, I'm going to coach everybody a little bit different, but it needs to, it needs to be fair. It doesn't need to be the same. And whether the kid is your all state running back or your fourth string guard, 
everybody needs to be treated fairly and, and uh, it, it might be differently, you know, and I, I think back to my time in, in Leslie, you know, I was early in my career, um, a, a, a very much a Bo Schembechler old school, uh, chew guys out and, and, you know, run kids into the ground kind of a deal. And over the course of time, I've really kind of changed that in a lot of ways, but, you know, I had kids on the same team that I could chew out and needed to be, and they, and they needed to be chewed out to be motivated. And then other kids, I could just walk up behind them on the sidelines and just say, Hey, you've really got to be disappointed in how that went right there. And that was all that kid needed. So, you know, uh, the, the advice I would give is do everything you can to get to know the kids so that you're not chewing on the kid that that isn't emotionally prepared to handle that and that you're not being soft on the kid that needs to be chewed on. And that's why the, you know, the first 30 days, as we say, are, are really critical um, to establishing yourself uh, in the program and and being present. Um, and th- that's the time where, you know, whether you get hired as a teacher um, or you're, you're a late mm-hmm. coach come, you know, and you're not in the building, but you're, you're present after school in the weight room or going to basketball, base, baseball games for, or track meets, like being present and getting to know the kids. Like that's why it's so critical. So you can have those conversations and, and maybe you can ask other coaches, um, you know, in the building who've coached those kids in those sports as well um, to ask them their strategies. You know, how do you, how do you handle this kid? And um, can he take it? Can he not take it? That sort of thing. I have a question, coach, you know, something that, uh, you know, I, I think would be pretty interesting to hear your take on. So I, I definitely have my take. Um, you know, what do you think that aspiring head coaches um, would want to know from guys that are current head coaches or have been head coaches? So for me, it's, it's, it's really simple. You don't coach as much as you used to as an assistant. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have the ability to coach as hard every day and focus on a single position or, or, a, or one side of the ball, because I'm so, I don't want to say worry, but I so in tune with what every other position is doing. And I have to be so in tune with both sides of the football that sometimes I miss just showing up prepared with my drill package ready to coach that for that day and evaluate my guys. Um, I don't get to do that anymore. So is there something, what do you think you would want aspiring head coaches to know before they go into taking a head coaching job? that that it's it's far less about coaching football and more about leadership you know and and you know if you're the wide receiver coach or the linebacker coach yeah there there's leadership involved in that but as the head coach it's so much more about leading the program and leading the staff and directing the total program than it is about coaching football and you know, for the whole 20 years that I was a head coach and Leslie, I was also the offensive coordinator. So I was still calling plays and I was still, you know, doing all the game planning stuff that an offensive coordinator does, but that's in a program where we had 55 to 60 kids, a JV and a varsity team, um, a middle school program and, you know, a staff of seven or eight guys. Well, then, you know, I go to Jackson and now I'm leading a program that's got 110 kids and three teams and a 18 to 20 man staff. I, I was the offensive coordinator there for four years. And I came to the conclusion 
that I needed to give up the play calling and give up the offensive coordinator role so that I could be the true CEO of the program. And, and that's really what I think a lot of guys aren't prepared for is, you know, did I, and, and, and I, I believe, you know, I'm, I have enough of an ego to believe that I was a better offensive coordinator than my offensive coordinator was, but the reality was we were a better program when I gave that up because I was better at and, and, and had more energy and, and focus on the things that I needed to be as the head coach and, and taking some of that energy off of, you know, play calling and, and, um, you know, game, you know, game planning on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, and that allowed me to also be more involved with the defense and special teams and those kinds of things as well. But that's there's there's really no way to prepare you and that's the thing that I tell guys in the LDA program is you're not prepared to be a head coach and nobody is like there's nothing we can do that's going to prepare you 100% to step in a head coaching job but but I think um will you know I think we can make you aware of some things so that you're mindful going into the situation that you're you're more prepared in that way even you know even at a small school like ours like we we have less than 300 kids and um this season i gave up a lot more play calling duties than i have historically and i'm going to do it even more next year just because like you're saying there's there's so much involved um not just in the game but just every day program wise more than football wise that uh it was it was refreshing you know and as a young coach I didn't think it was like you said the ego thing right like I had too much of an ego but I mean it just you you know overall it's better um for your program right and you know I think for me as I've thought about going back into coaching you know, at this point in my career, I had a a conversation with my wife, you know, because I I unabashedly admit that I miss coaching way more than I thought I was going to. And um, as I as I have thought about how I would get back into coaching, you know, my wife's like, well, you know, I had talked about, you know, exploring the possibility of coaching at the school that I'm at. And she's like, well, you can't fire Nick who's Nick Rulowitz, our head coach. And I'm like, I don't want Nick's job. The things that I miss about coaching have absolutely nothing to do with being a head coach. I miss the kids. I miss the interaction with the staff. I miss practice. I miss the competition, but I don't miss dealing with parents. I don't miss, you know, organizing summer camp. I don't, I don't miss any of that head coach stuff, but I miss the stuff that, that, new head coaches are going to take for granted because they're not, you know, being able to spend that time and energy on X's and O's and preparing drills and, and being with the guys in their position groups. Yeah, that's good. Um, We're probably getting close to it here. If you guys want to get some final thoughts in. Yeah, absolutely. So again, uh, Coach, thanks for being here. Our our Twitter handle for the show is simply at Inside the Office. Uh, please give us a follow. Um, you know, we're always looking for for guests. Uh, you're looking for um, want to give us some topic ideas. You know, we we definitely will look at that as well. But, um, Coach, what is I, what is your Twitter handle or any social media information where or any information you want to give our listeners if they want to reach out to you and give more information than you? And then I do have a final question for you. 
That that is a great question. What is my Twitter handle? My Twitter handle. I'm looking it up right now. At coach <laughs> at coach Farley seven. Um, I really like to to connect with folks on Twitter, and I also um, have a an influencer account on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook, um, just Scott Farley. Um, so I love to connect with people on social media, and uh, you know, really looking to kind of build. Uh, the social media connections as I st- kind of step into this new part of uh, kind of where I'm being directed uh, in my career. Coach, do That's you all. have, um, oh, just real quick, do you have a timeline for w- when the podcast can come out or, or when um, people can kind of start networking with you? Not really. I mean, they can start networking with me right now. Um, but um in terms of the podcast and some of that stuff, I hope to have that off the ground here in the next three or four months. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic. So, Coach, the final thing we ask every one of our guests is, uh, and if you've heard the show, you know what's coming. Is there a is there a unique tradition um, that Coach Farley has uh, has done in his coaching career? Um, it, it can be a drill. It can be a special team chant. It can be something you do at a team camp. Um, Anything. Is there anything unique in your coaching experience that uh, you'd be willing to share with anybody, everybody? Well, there's a lot of them. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the no punt onside kick guy. Um, I, you know, that's kind of been followed me around for a long time, but honestly, the kind of the thing that I've got going on right now that I think is, is really interesting and noteworthy is I've started the Kenya project. Um, which is a project where uh, we're trying to, and we're actually going to start a nonprofit here in the next month or so, where we're trying to help develop um, the game of American football in the country of Kenya in Africa. Um, I had a, about a 20 foot trailer, covered trailer full of equipment that got donated by about a half, about a dozen uh, schools in the state of Michigan that I drove out to New Jersey last fall that were shipping to Kenya that were able to double the number of tackle football players in the nation of Kenya through that equipment donation uh, process. And we're actually going to be starting a vertical raise fundraiser here in the next week or so uh, to generate the money to start the nonprofit for that project. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to plug that a little bit too. (laughs) That is fantastic. Uh, Appreciate it, Tom. This was awesome. Again, Um, another great episode coach. We appreciate you being here. Um, Tom, go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah, thanks a lot, Coach. It was great talking with you, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you more in the future. And uh, anything you need from us, you know, you just let let us know. We'll be happy to help. All right. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and kind of spread the word on what we got going on. So, thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the goal of uh, this podcast, and um, is to just uh, you know highlight the game of football, especially in the state of Michigan. So. Uh, it's a beautiful thing we got going here. That's for sure. We love football. So ladies and gentlemen, um, for coach Farley and coach Barnes, uh, this is Tom Murphy jr. And this has been another episode of inside the coach's office.